Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can always interact with the show on Twitter. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bo Knows Show. Uh, and you can email us anytime at show at gmail.com. This is episode 88.5. And as always on the point five, I'm joined by the legal counsel of the Coach Bono's podcast, the token girl. She has great legs, but an even greater mind, my co-host, Ellen Wingenter. Eat up. How you doing? I'm doing all right, buddy. How are you? The summer of Ellen has officially begun. Are You I, You got to tell us about the summer of Ellen is here. <laughs> so, you know, go ahead. No, I was just... I've been divorced for eight years now, and my son goes to his dad's in Alabama every single summer. So I am childless for six to eight weeks, generally, every summer. And starting back in that first summer, it was dubbed the summer of Ellen, and now we're in season eight of it. So welcome. So gentlemen, hit her up at at Ellie's Bedhead on Instagram. (laughs) feel free to hit up get in the dms now it's a better time to do it now than ever before so hey, speaking of being the legal counsel of the coach bonos podcast we appreciate yes. you that uh, for us are you are you uh can, would you consider being the legal counsel for our former president who looks like he needs all the legal help he can get okay this is super funny right so yesterday the indictment was unsealed and before the indictment was unsealed, I was watching Good Morning America, and George Stephanopoulos was interviewing a now former Trump attorney who started going off about how all these things about the Bidens are going to pile up and, you know, there's some court hearing in Delaware, this, that, and the other. I did, I, it was just rambling. And George Stephanopoulos looks at this guy and is just like, Everything you said is not true. Something to that effect. He was like, you're just saying baseless things. Three hours later, the guy is just like, I'm no longer one of Trump's attorneys because he we we now see what the breadth and depth of the storm that he's created is. Yeah, I saw that he had a couple of attorneys who quit just at at the point of reading the (laughs) the allegations and now the. Well, it's not allegations now. Now it's uh, what do you want to call it? This is uh, well, it's it, he's it's been indicted, indicted on these charges. Indict, the indictment, yeah, um, yeah, it's crazy. <clears throat> so and we're not going to get all the way into that today. I I wanted to keep it. Now we're going to have a little uh, something different. I got you for most of the pod, and then I got Uncle Rico coming in. Nice. Uncle Rico, and I, we're going to hit PGA live golf stuff really hard. Um, if you haven't listened yet, earlier in the week I had Tyler Jones on. He has been kind of, he's been reporting on some of this stuff and has his finger to the pulse of what's going on with that. So he was able to come in and answer some early questions. We got a little more information now. And Uncle Rico and I really talked and we've already done our part. We've talked about the sports washing piece of it and the PIF and what can happen here. I've made a couple of, uh, uh, and I encourage everybody to stay on and listen because I made a couple of what I see coming kind of things. And okay. um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. This is not the first thing the PIF is going to, last thing the PIF is going to do in America. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, I fully agree with you. Yeah. I'm really, I, I'm going to be interested. Um, and I know we won't talk a lot about it since you've talked about it a fair amount with other folks, but 
I'm really, really interested to see the organizational structure and because the PGA is going to have the majority of the board, but what power are they actually going to have when the only money that's allowed, right, at least right now, is the PIF? Yeah, I the PIF gave up the board. They put uh, the CEO is Jay Monahan, but from there, it's them. It's their money, and they're going to control the shots. This is going to be one of those where the PIF is in charge. They own it, but they got to have, for lack of a better term, they got to have the white man at the owner's meeting kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what Monahan's going to be. So. so it's kind of like, in, in many ways, the timing of this was funny. Do you watch Succession? I've seen a couple of the first episodes, but I haven't watched the whole thing. So, so spoiler alert, alert yeah. you know, fast forward for 30 seconds. But the whole thing at the end was that kids were finally taking over the Fox-like media conglomerate. Yeah. Swedish guy was coming in and buying it. And the argument was, well, you need to have Amer- an American head of the yeah. organization. And yeah. I was just like, huh, this played out in real time. Fun. Yeah, so it's exactly, it's, yeah, I suspect this is going to be the first of many things. Hey, but I want to start off with tonight, today, tonight is today, we're, it's Saturday morning. Um, We are going to talk mostly about the NBA Finals. Yes, sir. Friday night, the Nuggets pulled ahead 3-1, 108-95 over the Heat in a game that was never as close as the score indicated at times. I want to come out and say this. You and I got this right. Yes. More so than pretty much every pundit out there. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, I mean, both of us talked about how Spolstra was going to help them grab one. And he did. It just happened in Denver instead of Miami. Um, You know, Denver plays, has played fantastic on the road throughout the course of the playoffs, continued that. And, uh, you know, Jokic is just out there being Jokic, not giving a fuck about what all the people say and comparisons to other players. He's just like, just let me play the game and go home. I'm good. Yeah. I think the funny thing is is that, you know, again, we kind of called this and and I bring that up. I say that we did a better job than a lot of people because we were pretty clear in we thought Denver was going to dominate this series and that Spolster is great enough a coach. And we and I used the word great to get figure out a way to get them a win. And mm-hmm. they did it in game two. I, we kind of thought it would be game three, but they got it done in game two. But it's been, as Jim Ross would say, a, a slobber knocker since then, but it's been a one yeah. way. I mean, it's it was a fight. They stopped these games. Because Denver's just taking it home. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. Yes, I'm a KU homer. I'm a KU grad. To see CB have the game three that he's had was just amazing. Because, like we talked about last week, he kind of fell out into the doghouse during the course of the season. And no one really knew what was going on. But... He's been very steady during the playoffs. He's been consistently out front with the media. They've put him out there throughout the entire season. And he just had a hell of a game and showed out. And it made me so happy. Yeah. I, uh, the text message I sent you during game two. (laughs) 
I was like, I, it's too bad the summer of Ellen hadn't started after game three. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's been the domination since. I mean, it's just been, and, and I know that there was times in that game on Friday night where, you know, the, the Heat would get it back to six, and then you'd blink, and it was 11 or 12 or 13. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, what is going on? And this game was just never out of hand. I mean, it was never out of the the Nuggets had control the entire game, games three and four. It, it this series is over now. Yeah, I will say I've never seen a, a playoff series where, again, the pundits and I'm talking about like you know the, the the morning folks on ESPN that sort of thing have swung so far back and forth on the pendulum about what a series is. Yeah, you know, first it was. Oh, this is going to be a blowout. This is going to be, you know, everything. You know, the the Nuggets are going to roll. This is going to be everything. Yoki, you make Yoki the, you know, kind of crown him, if you will. Sure. After game one, same thing. Mm-hmm. After game two, it was, well, a lot of people came out of the woodwork saying, "Oh man, I told you guys the Heat can win this thing," and it was like, wait a minute. Game two, the Heat won the game because they went on an amazing fourteen zero run. About three minutes into the fourth quarter, yeah, and they got so far ahead, the Nuggets kept making mistakes. It but was so tough to be there, too. Yeah, the Heat just didn't miss. Look, if you shoot that much from the field, you're gonna win the game, right? And we talked after the game, and I talked to somebody, other couple of people, and I just said, "Look, if you think for a minute this is a series, you're just dead wrong. Like they're gonna go down there, the Nuggets, they're gonna win two in Miami, win both up." They're a better team. This is the only thing, and I got to give Mike Malone a hell of a, a lot of credit for. He came out in front of the press and in his locker room and said, "Y'all didn't play hard." No, he he just trashed his team. Trashed his after own that team game on Sunday, and they, and they heard it. And he did it in the public. He did it in private. And when they came back in Game Three and said, "Oh, you really think so? Here you go." Yeah, and played a, play a perfect game. Yep. Game four, it wasn't, you know, a physical domination, but it was a, hey, we're going to keep you at arm's length. You are not going to hit us with a knockout punch. It's just not going to yeah. happen. And they got, they knocked them out. They knocked them out with about six minutes to go in a game. All of a sudden, it was 14, and you go, yep, this is over. And, and you know, it's I suspect going back to game five, they're going to crown them, and I – Expect a big game from Jokic. I also think the big reason on game two that we saw uh, the Heat keep that thing close and then mm-hmm. pull away at the end was, whoo, I've never seen a I've never seen a home team in a finals or even a playoff series that the refs were as poor to as they were the Nuggets in that game. And what well, I mean by that is, by the letter of the law, it was fair. But Tony Brothers was refing that game, wasn't he? Yeah, and it was a lot of physical play. They were letting go. They were letting go one way and not the yes. other. Yeah. And you could see that in the fourth quarter of that game when the Nuggets called a timeout, and it was clear that Mike Malone said, all right, they want to thug it up, let's go thug it up. And it was three fouls in 20 seconds. Right. All the Nuggets. And it was like, oh, wait a minute. If he puts his body on him, it's a foul, but the other side of the court, it's not. Correct. And it was clearly what and clearly what Spolster told his guys was be physical, be physical, be physical, make them make mistakes. And it worked. 
But that happened. Yeah. It, 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 plus the Heat. I mean, look, the Heat aren't as good as the Nuggets. No. The Heat were the eight seed. They battled. They beat. And to their credit, they beat the two seed, the four seed, the one seed in the East. Yes. They have played seven game series for a month and a half now. Yep. I guess better teams by yep. record. They're tired. Yeah, no, they are. And the thing of it is, a lot of people are talking about the heat way or whatever, this kind of gumption that somehow the Miami Heat has that's so much different than the Nuggets or whomever else. But they don't have enough additional pieces that are kicking in right now as compared to the Nuggets. So they've got Bam and they've got uh, Jimmy Butler which is great consistently there, you know, they'll help each other out, but the nuggets have had MPJ not show up at all during the playoffs, essentially. So they've been relying on Jokic and Murray Mm -hmm. who had a lovely 30 point triple double on game three. And then you've got Aaron Gordon showing up huge in at least two games. You've got CB showing up huge. You've got KCP, and Brown, you know, also showing up. There's enough guys that get in and fit in and actually show up that yeah. one of their big three fails to show. Yeah. It doesn't hurt them. Yeah, the, if they and what the Heat have been reliant on is Jimmy Butler carrying them. Yeah, yeah, Madibayo's played really, really well in this series. Yep. But Jimmy Butler's not played as well. He's tired. I mean, he's had to carry them through the first the first three rounds of this playoff. Yeah. It's tough. And it's hard to keep that emotionally high. So I'm not going to blame him on that, but I think your point is well taken. If you look, I watch, when I'm watching game four, I'm sitting there going, they're counting on Kevin Love to win this thing. And he started out strong. But he's not good enough to carry that team. No. <laughs> Kevin Love hasn't been that serious a good player for four or five years. Yeah. I mean, since he was playing with LeBron with the Cavs, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, come on. Yeah, and he had LeBron with him. I mean, it's a little different. Exactly. So, um, I, I, you're not going to be able to go to game five. Your season ticket holder, you're not going to be able to go to game That was not well planned, Mike. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't my fault either. Uh, it is a work trip that I have to take. I will be leaving for Wichita on Sunday, and I will be in Wichita Monday night. But I was able to sell my tickets, and mm. uh, a couple of – a, a guy and his son are going to go enjoy game five and hopefully clinch it. If not, yeah. and Miami can pull two out, then you know what? I'll be back in time for game seven following yeah. Sunday. You know, and I'll be going with you to game seven. If yes, that happens. you will. <laughs> I have no indication that I think there's going to actually be a game seven. I agree. I, I agree. Have, I, they're not getting the game seven. I don't think they're getting the game six. I, I, I don't was so sure that we were correct after game two. Mm-hmm. That was on the draft. I was on DraftKings, on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of our great uh, podcast sponsors. Yes. I went and placed a $100 bet that the uh, Nuggets would win in five. I got three and a half to one, like a three plus 350 on. Okay. I'm like, look, this is, this is a five game series. It's over. So, yeah. Nice. I will say I've been kind of hot lately. Again, I got another one of those hot streaks going. And hey, 
you know, it's, it's good. You've got a trip to plan for in the fall that you can put some money away for that and some other things going on with summer, you know, it's going to be good. But right now we need these nuggets to pull it off on Monday. Yes. And we got to have Novak Djokovic win the French Open now. Yes, because you have that built in. I also have a couple of bets sitting out. I've got uh, Jokic to Nikola Jokic to hit the MVP and to average a triple double. So I'm hoping I do small bets. These are like $5, $2 bets, but it'd be nice to just hit a few of those too. I rolled a little heavy on the Nuggets in the beginning and Jokic to win the MVP. Um, I got enough of a buyout last night to buy me out of my finals championship. And I let it, yeah, I let ride. I let it ride, but what I then did was I took the winnings of it mm-hmm. and bet it on uh, Novak Djokovic, Djokovic, and um, the in the in the Nuggets to win Monday night on a two a two way parlay, and so that I will come out ahead. I bet taking it early. And in winning that, I will come out way ahead. They gave me enough of the winnings to come out ahead, which is one of the things I like about DraftKings is that if you do have something like that where you've you've hit it big, you got four out of five, and that fifth one, you're looking at it going, well, I don't know if I want to push it. You can take the buyout. Yeah. I mean, right now my $25 bet for the Nuggets to win it all is sitting at 470. Yeah. I've got uh I got out of my nut, but I do have, I still have the um, MVP for uh, for the Joker. Yeah. I left that. And then, and I'm rolling on in college baseball. I'm rolling on LSU. LSU nice. They're kicking out. They're going to be first pitch here in a couple hours, in the next couple hours. So, see if they can win two out of three and come to Omaha, go to Omaha. Then I'll go to Omaha. Look at you. You're going to be all over the place potentially. I'm going to be Ric Flair. I just limousine riding and jet flying. And the problem is, I'm not going to be able to do any of this because you know what's going to happen. I mean, the, the Nuggets are going to win early. LSU is going to get eliminated somehow before the championship series. And I won't go to either. Well, I'm hopeful that at least one of them hits for you. I hope they both hit. So I'm going to be uh, a little bit greedy. Hey, Normally, we don't see a lot of moves uh, during the NBA Finals. Then I'm not going to talk right. much about the Nuggets. They had a little trade. Um, this is more about getting some extra picks. They can bring some players in to help with the salary cap. It's the things they got to do there. But a big story that's really kind of gone under the radar. Do you see the story about Chris Paul? Yeah. Chris Paul has been waived. What? Chris Paul has been waived. By the Since Phoenix last Sun. night? He was waived actually two days ago. He's not made official. So after the finals is over. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Waived by the, by the Suns. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did see that. And I, I saw Woj talking about it um, during the pregame stuff. And that is going to be interesting because of course their panel was just like, all right, where is he going to end up? Clips, Lakers, you know, maybe back in Phoenix, wherever. Yeah. But he's going to potentially lose like half of what's owed to him. Is that right? He I would- don't know the whole numbers thing. I hadn't really heard that. Um, 
I don't think he closed it because the the contracts are guaranteed in the NBA. I think that because I think he had something like thirty million outstanding with the last year of the contract. Well, they'll have to pay him off. But there was some scenario when he he might only clear fifteen from Phoenix, so I'm sure he'd make up the back oh, half. Someone's going to get else. it. Someone else is going to get it. Either half. Yeah. Half. They claim him off waivers. Yeah. Because yeah. I'd imagine anyone would only do one year contract, given his yeah. age and his knees. Yeah, and he's thirty eight, so I mean, I can't yeah. imagine he's be. But he'll go somewhere. Someone will take him. Oh, I'm sure LeBron. If if LeBron doesn't get flirted to go down to Dallas, LeBron would bring him. Oh, to- okay. I heard that story this past week, and that's the biggest non-story story I've ever heard. Uh. <laughs> what has to happen for LeBron for this supposedly for LeBron to go to Dallas? Yeah, it's first the Mavs have got to give Kyrie a max contract, mm-hmm. which is. million a year for five years. Mm -hmm. Then LeBron has to then go for some sort of mid-level exemption. Right. You think LeBron's going to do that to go play with Kyrie again and go do it on the team that Luka Luka doesn't even want Kyrie around. No, no one wants Kyrie around. No one wants Kyrie Irving on their team right now. He thinks he's getting this big contract. He's not getting it. It only takes one owner to do it. But that owner, that owner ain't Mark Cuban. Well, and the thing of it is, with Bronny committing to USC, there is no way in hell that LeBron's going to go play out of town half the time when Bronny's going to be playing in L.A. for USC home games. Come on. it's That's ridiculous. Biggest, biggest non-story. I was like, oh. <laughs> first heard I was like, who, who even – like, who in their right mind even tries to report something like this? I, what you have to do to get there. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. That's just like, you know, we've talked about this before. Some places just have to have filler. Sure. And they everybody have have content. Does. And so you basically are making up content. That's that is. Nothing but I, I will say, though, that with the trade that the Nuggets did, yeah. For picks from OKC for the upcoming draft. Yeah. It's smart. And the yeah. teams generally do not deal and trade during this point of the year. Yeah. And to your point, I'm sure there's salary cap stuff and other considerations that they're taking on, but they're giving away a protected 2029 draft pick. I'm like, okay, great. I'm not a- I'm not a big fan of this trading draft pick six years from now thing. That's to me, that's still too much. I I don't know. There needs to be some kind of limit there. I yeah. Um also wanted to ask you, did you hear the other? So we got the NHL is also going through there, they're in their Stanley Cup finals. Yep. And uh that's happening down in my it was in Miami this week with everything there and um, that series is 2-1 Golden Knights. Game four is tonight, Saturday night, as we were talking tonight. Um, but so we had this interesting thing where like the center of the sports world this week was in Miami with yeah. the Panthers, with the Heat, uh-huh. and then the big sports news as well. Messi is coming to America. Can you believe that? That he's coming to play. With the MLS Miami team. 
Yeah. Now I've heard a lot of stuff on this. I've heard that it's a, I guess the league is picking up part of the check on this. Okay. There's some promises that Messi is going to be involved in ownership on retirement. Not surprising. Okay. Um, and it's it, it's even to like the point where like Messi's getting a piece of the um the TV money, the overall Apple TV money because now Apple TV is extremely happy. Oh, sure. Going to be on TV every you know a couple times a week here in America. Yeah. And we were talking, go ahead. I'm just thinking, like, given the run up to the World <laughs> Cup being in the U.S. next year, mm-hmm. that's going to be huge. Yeah. I wonder, you know, we have a team here in Kansas City, obviously, with Sporting KC, and they'll play yeah. here at some point. Me and Jen were talking, and I said, do we want to go to this? And she's like, oh, yeah, we want to go. And I was like, all right, all right, I'll go. So, yeah, yeah if he plays a game here, I'm definitely going to try to go. I mean, I, I'm sure I will definitely, when – yeah. Miami plays the Rapids. I will definitely try to catch him out here in Denver. I mean, that was the big thing when Beckham went to LA, that that was yeah. kind of the first big European yeah. star who had come over. Um, but Messi still, I think, has a little bit more life in him than Beckham did when he came over. Yeah. So I I think in some ways that's what will make it more interesting. Yeah. Um, I agree a hundred percent. It's just one of those where I'm looking at it now and I go, okay. Um, it's a, it's to me, it's a little bit surprising that Messi chose to come here because I'm wondering if he got if he got offered some uh, PIF money. He did. He turned out a huge Saudi contract. Yeah, that because a couple of those guys are taking huge money to go play over there. Yeah. So he turned down a huge Saudi contract. Okay. Um, because Ronaldo, I think, took his. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if Messi is is one of the ones that has some of the tax issues, uh, that keep popping up with some of these soccer players. And of course, Florida has no personal income tax, so yeah. he's looking at it as a tax haven as well. I I, I would assume from yeah. a certain standpoint. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's uh, pretty amazing. And you know, and you got to know that Apple's got to be happy since they're the exclusive partner for the MLS moving forward. And so now you got to get Apple TV if you want to watch Messi play. That'll be kind of cool. Or uh, get T Mobile as your carrier and they offer it for free. Oh. Yeah. We get, I'm Verizon. We get ESPN Plus for free. So um, with T Mobile, I get MLB. And MLS for free every single, well, this was the first year for the MLS, but I've been getting MLB for free through T-Mobile for the last six years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Before we get to the next thing, I want to talk about our sponsor real quick. We got, uh, we already mentioned them once that's DraftKings Sportsbook. So, Hey, right now we got a cool thing. If you haven't joined DraftKings Sportsbook, if you're a hockey fan, I especially implore you to get in right now. Because if you place a five dollar bet on any bet on the on the NHL uh, Stanley Cup Championship, you will get two hundred dollars in free bets. Nice. Now normally it's one hundred fifty dollars in free bets replacing your first bet. Right now you can get up to two hundred dollars. Go to our show notes. You can get uh, take the link, take you over there. That helps us out. Obviously, it also helps them. And in your state, if you're qualified in your state, which most of the states that we have 
listeners in, you do have it. Uh, you can get your $200 in free bets. So place five bucks on the Knights to win, or anybody. If you place on the Panthers, you can do that too. Don't waste five dollars doing that, but <laughs> place it on the Knights to win. And then from there, you're going to win your five bucks plus $200 in free bets. They take about they, they seven days before they expire, but you can use them anywhere you want on, on DraftKings Sportsbook. And if you haven't checked it out, DraftKings Sportsbook is really cool. But they're not just for hockey. I mean, for hockey, for basketball, for baseball, uh, College World Series, they've got live action on, on uh, Super Regionals this weekend, uh, yeah. which is really cool. Um, I love the live action. That's something that, you know, we've talked about other, you know, websites in the past. The thing I do love in DraftKings is that up to the second, live action. If you're watching a game and you go, ooh, I think this is going to change things, you can go in and make a new bet with your new information. It, I love it. Yeah, no, it's great. I do love the live betting. Um, Nicholas and I say that we can't cheat during games because most of the stuff we have we do is streamed. So there's yeah. a lag. So Drag Kings, <laughs> Drag Kings, DraftKings is actually ahead of us. Yeah, and so seconds. it's just kind of like uh, uh, um, yeah. that makes a lot a lot of fun and more entertaining and. Their interface, frankly, I just really like. I think they're, yeah, they're in, they got the best one. It's the easiest site to use. We've yeah. tried them all, folks. And it is by far my favorite. So check it out. We appreciate their sponsorship. Again, check the show notes. There's a link in there. Take that link in your state. If you're approved, if your state's approved for it, you're good to go. And it's like 16 states right now. You're good to yeah. go. Yeah. And they have and horse racing now, too. So, yeah, horse racing's in there now. And if you are, if you're a listener local here in Kansas, totally legal. If you're in Colorado, where Ellen is, totally legal. Louisiana, where a lot of my family is, totally legal. This is all legit. It's not like some of these other ones. Uh, I've seen some of my brethren and friends down there in Texas that are playing this uh, over-under game. What is it, prize picks? Have you seen this? I think I've heard you mention it before. It's a scam. To me, it's a scam. Because okay. it's, you only got to be 18. They're trying to say that it's fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. And it's basically all over-unders. And it's, to me, I don't think it's good at all. I, um, My son came home and showed it to me one day, and I was like, first off, it's a scam. Don't do this. And secondly, this is just this is just glorified fantasy sports. Yeah. This is not, yeah, you don't want to do this. So, um, but no, check out DraftKings, and uh, we appreciate them helping us out. Um, one sad thing has happened this week. You know, I'm a big wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Lost the Iron Sheik. R.I.P. Man. Oh, did you see today too? The Unabomber died. The Unabomber died. The Unabomber died. We so we lost Pat Robertson this week. We lost the Unabomber, and 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 Donald Trump might go to prison. I mean, this has been kind of a good week, except for the Sheik. But you know what that means? That means the Sheik's just waiting, waiting at the pearly gates. He's waiting. He's got the folding chair. I'll put someone in the camel clutch. Yeah, he is. If, if you don't know who we're talking about, the, the Iron Sheik. Um, Iron Sheik, one of the most famous 80s wrestlers. Yes. He was he was um the, the WWF, he was WF champion for like a week. I think it was like two weeks. He, he was like the biggest Hulk Hogan foil, right? Yes. Yeah, so the way it worked was in 1984, when Hulk Hogan was gonna become the heavyweight champion and Hulkamania was gonna start. The current champion was Bob Backlund, who was a good guy. They didn't want to have Hulk Hogan beat the good guy. So they had the Iron Sheik come in, 
who was like this hated Irani, you know, through all the stuff in the 80s. And he beats the golden boy, um, Bob Backlund, you know, controversial way. But then two weeks later, he loses to Hulk Hogan. Now, the funniest part, Ellen, I, you got to go to YouTube. I'll get you the link and share it for you. If you go to YouTube, hang on. You know what? Matter of fact, we'll hit the pause on this. All right, folks, I had to show a quick video to Ellen. So if you're not aware, 1984, Madison Square Garden, Iron Sheik is fighting, has in a match with Hulk Hogan. He's going to lose the match. He's going to lose the title of Hulk Hogan. And if you don't know, the Iron Sheik's finishing move is called the Camel Clutch, where the per person would be down on the ground, he'd get behind them, and he had his hands wide. He'd put his hands up under the arms and his hands behind your head and pull them up on your knees, and he would then pull your chin up. Yeah, while the guy's face down. Guy's so, face down. So face he gets down, butt up. Your back, pulls the chin up. So if you watch the video, I implore you to go to YouTube, and I will, all you got to do is search Iron Sheik Erection. <laughs> and what you will find is a video of Iron Sheik seeing the video uh, from one of his uh, shoot interviews, which is a whole other rabbit hole we'll talk about in a sec. Iron Sheik is about to put the cow clutch on Hulk Hogan and gets a massive erection. Like giant, yes. giant erection. I mean, it's, I mean you're, he's in the, you know, the Speedo kind of thing, you know, the wrestling trunks, which is going to tuck your stuff in anyway, but she is pounding through. Oh, my God. I was just like, is this fake? Is this a cucumber? No. What's going on? And he was just, you could see Iron Sheik smirking watching this. Because he was just like, I've never seen this before. I've got 10 inches. You can see it all here. <laughs> yeah, I got it. So uh, if you don't realize what happened, he gets, he put, so with the erection, he puts the camel clutch on Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan becomes the first person to break the camel clutch, then wins the match. And that's when Hulkamania starts. And Iron Sheik was like the category bad guy for the WWF throughout most of the 80s. Yeah, He becomes famous again like in the late 90s and the 2000s by going numerous times on the Howard Stern show where he would basically get drunk and just start shouting obscenities at people. People would just, they would just throw a name at him and he'd go, fuck the Jake Roberts or something like that. And he would just, I mean, it's like it's like a joke at our house. Me and Peyton will do it. Somebody will say something and they'll be to do the Iron Sheik and I'll go, they'll say, well, dad, what do you think about you know, what do you think about Jose Canseco? Fuck the Jose Canseco! Ah. And you gotta do it in a chic voice. And so that was, yes. And, and, and then, of course, it translated into Twitter. Yes. He created, he and his, it, it appears to be his, he and his nephews created this huge online presence. Yes. So, and there's a couple of great, so there is a great biography of the Iron Sheik on Netflix, about five or six years old, that The Rock actually produced. Okay. In it, The Rock tells about how when he was a child, you know, The Rock was Rocky Johnson's son. Rocky Johnson wrestled with the Iron Sheik back in the days of like the late 70s, early 80s. So they were close. And when Rock was a little kid, he called the Iron Sheik Uncle Sheiky. And that was his Uncle Sheiky. When The Rock came to WWF, before he was The Rock, when he was Rocky Maivia, the Iron Sheik was actually one of his traveling partners. And he would say, don't be a jabroni. Don't be a jabroni rock, this and this. So when The Rock started calling people jabronis as The Rock, 
he admits, I stole that from the Iron Sheik. Yep. He said, Iron Sheik was the guy. Uncle Sheiky was the one saying, don't be a jabroni. And I took that and put it in front of the camera. And he gave a lot of credit to Iron Sheik. Um, A&E produces with WWE also some of these biographies. And some of them are really bad. There's some really bad. And they, they whitewash it pretty good for their company one. But sure. they had one with Iron Sheik this past year. That was by far their best one. And it's really honest. It talks about how he had alcohol issues and drug issues and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And it mentions how it was his nephews that got with him and said, helped him become this like social media icon in a way. He was one of the first like characters of Twitter. Yeah. And it's just, it's a gimmick that he just kept running with all the way to his death. Like the day he died this past week. They shared one more tweet, and the, the whole thing is one of it is, is that Iron Sheik hates Hulk Hogan. He hated Hulk Hogan throughout his whole career, his whole life. And it, that was real. They do not like each other. Yeah. So the last tweet was a, a cartoon of the Iron Sheik's um, um, tombstone, and it reads, uh, Iron Sheik, fuck you, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Good on so, them. Um, it, again, just a, a person who it, it's amazing to me when people understand who they are, mm-hmm. and they can they love the, they they play the character of themselves like that, and I respect that so much about Iron Sheik. And he, you know, again through the problems, he embraced it and said, "Okay, look, I got some issues, but this is the character I can play." Yeah, not just to be relevant, but to you know to make money for my family, for myself, sure. my wife, take care of myself, and, and that's what it was, and that's part of the gimmick of being a wrestler. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you're you're playing a role. Yeah, and, and Cosro played that role to the very end, and I mean, just an interesting. This dude had an interesting life, by the way. Before he was a wrestler, people don't realize he was a bodyguard to the Shah of Iran. Um, in the A&E documentary, they talk about how he came to America. Like, mm-hmm. he was afraid he was going to be killed because okay. his mentor had been killed. So he sought asylum? Yes, but when he came here, he could only say a few English words. He had met this wrestling coach at the Olympics. So um, Azro, the Iron Sheik, he was actually an Olympic wrestling coach in Iran. Oh, wow. And at the Olympics, he had met this um, American wrestling coach. They became friendly. Mm-hmm. And all he knew, all he could say in English was the guy's name. And he knew he lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Huh. Wow. So when Iron Sheik escaped Iran, he came to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and basically went to Minneapolis looking for this guy. Saying, I got to find this guy. It's the guy I got to find. Oh, wow. And- so it was like, okay, I got you. Yeah. And and helped him, you know, come over, seek asylum. He thought he was going to be killed in Iran. It was, it's an incredible story. Wow. And how he actually was an Olympic wrestling coach here in America. Hmm. And then, you know, he was kind of done with that phase of his life, became a professional wrestler. And then what all happened from there became, he became, you know, this guy came over here with nothing. And, you know, died a semi-wealthy man. Yeah. So, wow. 
It's a great story. And it's a great, it's really a great American kind of story. When you think well, about absolutely. it, you know, an immigrant comes over, fearful of his life, wants a better chance at everything, and makes this gimmick, if you will, into a career and a life. So congratulations or, you know, Godspeed to the Iron Sheik and um, he will be missed. For sure. Yeah. The last thing I've got on our little list here. Um, have you heard, you know, a lot of Major League Baseball teams are doing stuff for Pride, yeah. whether it's a weekend or a series. or And there's been a couple of controversies. Have you, have you seen any of these controversies going on? There was one Clayton Kershaw. Um, Anthony Bass from the Jays has been the big one. Um, I'll get into the Clayton Kershaw one first. It's, it's okay. so simpler. Dodger Stadium had a Pride Day, and Clayton Kershaw was – Upset that a particular group, or first, first the, the, the drag group, yeah, the drag group, right? It was a, no, they, they dress as they dress. They're a they're a an LGBTQ group that dresses nuns. Okay, and then all of a sudden they weren't allowed, and then they, they, were they allowed weren't going to be allowed to come. Then the Dodgers reversed, reversed, and said you can come and we'll honor you. And Clayton Kershaw got mad. And I will know, I have been to Dodger Stadium on Pride Night. Yeah. I bet, I bet that's amazing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So Clayton Kershaw has made it clear. He's like, I'm not anti-LGBT. He's very Christian. He's very, you know, he's part of that family first Christian night thing that they do at some ballparks. And he simply said, hey, the only problem I have with this group isn't their message. It's that it makes fun of or... Uh, belittles Catholicism, even though Kershaw saying I'm not Catholic, but I'm against them dressed as nuns. Okay. And so he went to the Dodgers and said, "Hey, if you're going to do this, I, I don't have a problem with you doing it, but I would like you to step up and let's have that Faith and Family Day sooner than later." Because just about every single ballpark that I have been to has multiple. Faith and Family Days yes. throughout the course of the season. Yeah. So he wanted that done. And I guess the Dodgers worked with him on that. And that's, you know, again, he did that in a way. And I don't like the message, but I respect how he asked. He's like, hey, I'm not really for this, but I'm not against the message. But do this with me, you know, because he, he was going to be the centerpiece. He wanted to be, he wanted to be more the centerpiece of the Faith and Family Night. Sure. At first I heard this and I was like, Oh shit! Do I got to go sell my my Kershaw memorabilia. <laughs> Waste falls. I'll just have to sell those things. Get them out of the collection. Then I heard what he said, and I was like, "Okay, that's not that's not hate. That's not anti anything." He's just saying, "Let's do this as well." Okay, I can't be mad at that. So, okay. but what I can be mad at is Anthony Bass, picture from the Blue Jays. Who? So I I think I've seen reference to this, but I okay, don't know so what it is. This dude went out and put out the Jays were having an LGBTQ, I don't, I, the whole thing. Uh, yeah, they're having the, the, the Pride weekend. They're, they're, they're the whole weekend. Yeah. And he, they found tweets from Anthony Bass. Anthony Bass, first off, had just recently supported some anti Pride stuff. And had had tweets in the past about how lesbians, homosexuals, bisexuals were all going to hell. Uh-huh. <laughs> so 
I found it very funny when I woke up Thursday morning and saw that the, that the Toronto Blue Jays DFA'd Anthony Bass. Which I can have a, a, a an over four ERA and be an asshole. Just, I don't begrudge anyone having certain belief systems but if you for some reason don't believe that people shouldn't be happy that they shouldn't be loved that they shouldn't be cared for fuck you yeah. hey i have zero problem with how kershaw did it zero he said I'm not, not my thing but hey i'm willing to support it but can we please not do make a mockery of this and can we do this instead or can we make this happen and and that's again that's that's a reason to me. That's a reasonable discourse. Sure, we can have reasonable discourse in that way. So yeah. I won't begrudge Kurt, Clayton Kershaw that. But hate speech, no matter what that hate speech is, is still hate speech. Just fucking live your own life and not be worried about what other people are doing, yeah. unless they're hurting you, which most of the time they aren't. Leave them alone. So. Um, yeah, so Anthony Bass, he'll get our fuck you of the week. Yeah, and for sure. They, again, you, you can't be you can't be hateful and have a over four ERA. So <laughs> you can't suck and be an asshole, in other words. Yeah, you want to be an asshole, you better have a sub two ERA. <laughs> get yourself right. a fastball or a slider that works. You better get the, that sweeper everyone's trying to throw nowadays. You better throw the fuck out of that thing. Jesus. All right. Last thing I got for you. Is we haven't done this in a couple weeks. We have a 10 team race still for who is Coach Bo rooting for in 2023. And I want to talk about it where we're at, give an update, and I think we're going to do an elimination today. (gasps) Who's gone? Let's talk about who's left still first. There's 10 teams left. Okay. All right. So, still left. For people who haven't heard, what we're doing is basically I have renounced. My New Orleans Saints membership to the Houdat Nation until the day that Derek Carr has been um, been released and Dennis Allen has been fired and and pretty much everything that happens there. When that's all done, we will um, we will be back. Until then, gear is boxed up, things are put away. I'm not rooting for the Saints. No trip to New Orleans this year to go see the Saints. Okay. Not happening. Okay. So we've gone through, if you want to call it, I guess, bachelor style, probably the best way to put it, bachelor, bachelorette, you know, that kind of style. Who's good? Bracket style, however you want to. Yeah, we haven't really eliminated that way. But we're down to 10 teams. And here's here's the 10 teams that I'm considering rooting for in 2023. These last 10. Buffalo Bills, the New England Patriots, Cincinnati Bengals, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Houston Texans, the Detroit Lions, the Chicago Bears, the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. E, I'm going to eliminate two teams today. Two? I'm el- two are going to go today. I'm eliminating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. I don't have anything negative here. It's just that if a big part of my reason is I don't like Derek Carr, how can I root for Kenny Pickett? 
Okay. So, I'm out. The next one this is the last cut this week. And, and this was one that I thought might end up staying around for a little while, but they're not. And that's the New York Giants. I like Brian Dable. I like a lot of the things they're doing there. But I just don't see myself rooting for a New York team. Fair. I've never been a fan of a New York team. I tried to root for the Mets a little bit this season because I like Pete Alonzo. Uh-huh. They're and, awful. Then, and then now he's on the IL. And now he's hurt. Yeah, so I, I'm going to be anti them again. Um, I'm out. I'm out on the Giants, too. Maybe we can blame the Mets for that, but I'm out on the Giants. So we're now down to eight, and we'll do another elimination here probably the next week or two. I would like to have a winner right, right before the end of training camp. Like I got to be ready before before the season starts. Okay, so that was going to be my next question, like what your plan was. And I'm glad yeah. that you're waiting toward the end of training camp because that way you can see rosters. Um, part of and I think that's important. So interesting. So I will tell you that a, a player is out there that depending on where this person may go could swing some of this. So Hopkins is going to... Trey Hopkins is a big swing thing for me because okay. the right situation with him would be fun to watch. Okay. And I think you know where I'm going. There's I'm rooting for one team to get him. Detroit? I'm rooting for Detroit to get him. <laughs> oh, if he ends up in Detroit, that will that will make them the favorite. Okay. Even, would, even if you want to know what would push ahead of Joe Burrow, the okay. Trey Hopkins added to that to Coach Campbell's team would be fun to watch, and okay. that might push you to a new favorite in the gambling. Yeah. So, although I hear he's going to New England this week, go visit. He visited the Titans yeah. this past week, New England this week, but it looks like that Buffalo and Kansas City are out on DeAndre Hopkins, which isn't super surprising given everything that's going on. I mean, I know a lot of my Chiefs brethren are lamenting Frank Clark coming over to the Broncos. Oh, I'm big. Um, Chris Jones is now seemingly putting a clock on an extension. Um, but so if I understand correctly, so Bill O'Brien is no longer with the Patriots, right? No, he's at Alabama. Okay, because yeah. there was a whole. No, he went back to he went back. Because he was with the Texans when yeah, Hopkins he, he, was there, and they had a really shitty relationship. Like, just he is now the offense. He's the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. So, although he's visiting, I think there's some concern with Hopkins and O'Brien and their lack of chemistry. Okay, because their days in Houston. Yes. Well, Bill O'Brien is going to be likely be the next coach of the Patriots. So, yeah, I mean, he he went to the Nick the Nick Saban rehab clinic, and now <laughs> he is uh, back in New England. Okay, yeah. Um, so I'll be curious how much that actually gains traction. Oh, I do have another reason for being upset with the Saints. Okay. Did you see the Saints brought in John Gruden? Yes. 
So, look, I'm, I'm going to be real blunt. I've, up until the, the email thing, huge fan. Huge fan of John Green. I love John Green. I loved everything about that dude. It was great. If there is any dude that needs to go to the Nick Saban rehab facility, it's John Green. Well, and that's what we talked about last week, right? Yeah. So. Week before last. So, we'll see. Yeah. I heard he's going to open up a passing academy. Which, again, I think would be great. Yeah. So, but there we are. We are down to eight. Okay. And again, I want to have this done before the end of training. I'm not going to the season without having a new team. And, and again, this is the this is free agency. This is how free agency works, folks. This, is, think- this is proof that we don't have to be dead set loyal to a team because we're from there or they're the local team. We got to have expectations. We have the expectation of fans of you got to do things the right way. That's what my that's what my opinion is. Here's the reason for me backing off the Saints on this is that I simply just do not agree with anything. I think the only um, grace you need to give yourself on this is that if you don't have it by the end of training camp, it has to be before the last preseason game. Oh yeah, the season. Yeah, I will not go into week one going, ta-da, here's my team. No. Okay. Yeah. And again, there's the, the DeAndre Hopkins thing could could sway me on a couple of teams. It could definitely sway me on, on Detroit. I can see that. I know how Detroit. much I'm anyways. So. I'm down with Dan Campbell, man. I'm me. I think Dan Campbell would be fun to have a few beers with and talk football with. For sure. I would run through a fucking wall for Dan Campbell. That would be <laughs> And so anyway, that, um, yeah, so there you go. That's where we're at. I, I wouldn't say they're quite to the uh, spot with the Bengals, but, you know, I mean, it's Joe Burrow. It's my dude. So, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if anyone can outside. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? So I was showing you my Joe Burrow signed Funko Pop. It's in my desk, and I yeah. dropped it. We're going to jump out of here on that. Unless you've got something else. You got anything you want to talk about? Bring on. I know you're just focused right now on the summer of Ellen. So. Yeah. It, it appears my son has arrived in Mobile. So that's good. They had some mechanical yeah. delays along the way. And uh, perhaps we will be together next week doing a, a pod together. We'll just see. Yeah, how. We're going to figure that out while you're, you're going to be over this way. So we'll figure it out when you're in Lawrence. Well, yeah. Thanks again for coming in. I appreciate it as always. I mean, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you for being the legal counsel for us. And uh, thank you for not being legal counsel for our former president. Fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Coming in right now, we're going to talk a little bit of the uh, PGA Tour, live golf, and uh, a little football. We'll get into a little football here. But uh, everybody knows this is my favorite guy coming on here. my most popular returning contributor. He's been a little, little time off. Usually Uncle Rico comes in, talks a little football with us. We're going to add on a little bit today. So, ladies, you know the drill. If you're in the greater Denver area, it's summertime. So now be hitting those golf courses. Get your, your Titleist Pro V1s out. Put a nice little skirt on. Magically, my man will appear out of nowhere. Currently still undefeated against home pregnancy tests with a record of 53-0-1. and He's the real reason Sierra moved to Denver. And don't forget about his book at Amazon, Russ Can Cook, But I Can Eat. 
my main man, Uncle Rico, Ricardo Gerblini's in the house. As always, Uncle Rico is brought to us by Stitch Fix. Don't forget, check out the show notes. You can get $25 off your Burt First box and Stitch Fix. And for, hey, you golfers out there, Stitch Fix just put out a whole new golf deal. A great way to get some clean new clothes for the summertime and for your golf outing. So check that out. Uncle Rico, what's happening, brother? Not much. Not much. I will tell you, though, I am, uh, I am uh, switching to the TP5s. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going with, I'm playing the TP5 picks balls right now, and I really like them. Oh, very cool. Very cool. We'll have to, the, I, the, I'm, 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 not, I'm not loyal to any one brand. I, you know, if you look at my bag, I've got, you know, TaylorMade oh. drivers. I've got Mizuno irons. i got an Odyssey putter. i got a ping bag. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing Callaway and TP5s and Pro V1s. I, I don't care. <laughs> you know how I, I go with whatever's best for what it fits the minute. You know what? You know what the deal is with us here. You know, it's it's with me. It's uh, you know, if you're a new wholesaler to get in the door, it's O'Connor Advisory Group with a dozen golf balls. So bring me some golf balls, and I'll have a meeting with you. <laughs> so I have a stack <laughs> in the garage, probably twelve or fifteen dozen high right now. All sorts of different stuff. So. It's kind of known now in the Lawrence area. If you're looking for, you know, for the different wholesalers, mutual funds, and the, uh, the investment companies and everything, that's the, that's the price to get in the door. Sort of like Bud. It's kind of like Bud Fox taking uh, Gordon Gecko the, uh, the cigars. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm Gordon Gecko by any means. That's a throw. That's, that's a old school reference right there. That's a throwback and a half. Yeah. Hey, before we get too far, I know we're going to have a little time crunch today uh, for you and I. We had something sad happen this week. Um, An old high school teammate of ours, football teammate of ours, and a friend, Mike Donnelly, passed away this past week, colon cancer, 47 years old. I don't want to get too deep into this. I don't want to see us both sit here and cry, but Mike was friends to both of us. Um, Special dude, got a family. And my heart bleeds for everybody in the Donnelly family. And just, I'm so, found out a couple nights before, a night before it happened, he passed. I heard he was sick for a while. Wish I'd have known a little more so I could have got over and seen him. But um, any any memories you want to share on Mike? I, I, I'm i going to kind of leave it open to you on that one. Anything clean? Uh, <laughs> So that's the, see that's the problem. Because, you know, there's that these are back in the day when we hung out, and there's you know there's things we don't yeah. talk about anymore as we're older yeah. now. We leave the past in the past, and a lot of yeah. that, um, a lot of that is is, is kind of on that line. Uh, yeah. I remember Mike going all the way to middle school, and actually we got into a fight in the middle of class in I... middle school, and we still you know. Still, even later, we hung out, we partied together, we played football together, we were friends. And so, right. uh, I'll leave all of those kind of stories to to off camera yeah. ears. Hey, so, <laughs> uh, but it is it is it is a sad event. And condolences to his family, um, good people. We know them, and so we do. Um, and and just big not, thing I want never want this to happen. Never have to want to have no. this kind of conversation. And, and you know, forty seven years old. It, we're near that age. I'm at that age now. I know you're just a little bit behind me. One thing I'll say, people who are in our age group, hey, listen, man, colon cancer, you got to catch your shit early. Go get checked. Uh, I already made an appointment. I've already made an appointment to go. I've got a doctor's appointment next Monday anyway, and I've already said, schedule me the colonoscopy. I know I need one. Let's just get it done. I'm going to make sure I got a clean bill of health because 
this shit will sneak up on any of us now. We're at that age. We're 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 men of a certain yeah. age now. So uh, anybody listening that you know either knows us personally or has found us through whomever, if you're in that age, if you're 40 plus, go get checked. Go get checked. Save you. You might save your life. So um, again, my thoughts and prayers are with Mike and his family. I just a little shook up when I heard that a couple of nights ago. So yeah. Let's get to the meat of the matter. So um, yeah. normally you and I get in here, we talk, we talk football, but you're a big golfer and you watch more golf than anybody I know. This week, I think this is going to be the sports business um, story of the year for 2023. And that is the Saudi Public Investment Fund, the PIF, has basically bought golf. It has purchased, it already owned the Live Golf Tournament. Now it owns, low tour, I should say, the DP World and the PGA. We don't know, and I did a whole 30-minute show earlier in the week with Tyler Jones talking about everything he had been hearing and what we know, and we don't know a lot. Even a few days now into this, we don't know what's going to happen. We know that both tours are going to finish this year. Um, one thing I did read on ESPN.com this afternoon, we're recording this Friday evening, is that it looks like Greg Norman is going to be out on the live tour and PGA um, commissioner Jay Moynihan is going to become the commissioner of both the PGA and the live tours, which double surprises me. One, it surprises me that Norman's out. Um, but two, it's not really. that one doesn't surprise. Well, it, uh, the reason I thought he may not be out, I thought it was, you know, 50, 50 was that I thought that you know, he's the guy that put the PIF with the live people. And I thought he would be remembered for that in a way, as far as the month, the, it, it, but you're, but you're right. He is being remembered for that, and that's why he's out. That's why. Look, if you took this down to the faces of golf, in the PGA, there is one person that speaks above everybody else as the face of golf. That's Tiger Woods. Yes. I don't care who you are today. If you'd gone 10 years ago, you could say Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus. Today, it's Tiger Woods, end-all, be-all. Everybody else is second to him as the face of golf. Yeah, and he pissed off Tiger in a big way. Yeah, Tiger so has yet if to you comment. keep him. If you keep him, Tiger does nothing but go on the offensive. He has nothing to lose. He's at the end yeah. of his career. He's made his money. His legacy and legion um, and legendariness in this in the sport of golf is set. Not, you know, he, he he's untouchable in that regard. Greg Norman does not have the reputation Tiger Woods has. Period. Yeah. Well, I agree. And the thing that here's one thing I will say on the Greg Norman thing. This is why I, I haven't been as critical of Greg Norman as others. And, you know, a lot of the whole live golf and the Saudi piece of the live golf. Now, look, I'll be very critical that Greg Norman said it was pretty consistent in he wanted to put the PGA tour out of business. That was his goal with live golf. He wanted Lynn to take over. Now, it looks like technically Liv is buying the PGA, but it's the investor who's doing it. And they're going to keep yeah. both tours, it looks like. 
But what I will say on the Saudi piece with Greg Norman, and I kind of mentioned this, and I got some blowback from a couple people. I had someone get in my in my email about this, and I said uh-huh. that one piece on the um, the Saudi thing that I think has not been really talked about. We're seeing on social media and different places people saying, I'm done with professional golf. I'm done with this. The issue is that the, the Saudi issue isn't an issue or the same type of issue in certain places as it is here in America. Just based upon how the PGA came out and really was, you know, the Saudis are anti-American, the 9-11 stuff, all that stuff. Greg Norman's Australian. Saudis haven't had, haven't funded terrorism in his country. His frame of reference is different than ours. And I think that's one area in which I was willing to say, okay, I get that. But it was, um, it was, you know, I still don't think what Greg Norman stands for is, you know, good. And I do think he's going to be out, looks like. He's going to get, he's going to get some money on the way out. Quite a bit, if I had to guess. Uh, it's just to me. Did you hear the number? How much the Saudi the PIF gave him? Gave I have not heard the number yet. Two billion. Two billion buys you the PGA and the DP World. To give you an idea how much that is, or how little that is to the PIF. The current value as of the end of the first quarter of 2023 of the PIF is $620 billion. The PIF would be alone one of the top 10 companies in the entire world of market cap. Oh, yeah. And, and the and a lot of folks have criticized the Saudis in this deal and the PIF. They're talking about sports washing, and we're going to see more of it. Just look, bet your bottom dollar that when, and I wonder what's going to happen with the media rights people. The the CBS is in the uh, is it CBS, ESPN? Who else has? Is it NBC? NBC. What's going to happen the first time you're on NBC? And the PIF puts an ad for visiting Saudi. Are there going to be? We're already we're not really that far from it now. Yes, already. and and we know it's going to happen. I'll give you the reason why we know it's going to happen. The Saudi, the PIF, is what has bought um, shows from WWE. They have the two shows a year from WWE. They pay hundred million dollars. If you watch yeah. those shows, they're on Peacock. There are basically vacations, you know, come to Saudi, tourism in Saudi. That's the whole plan here. It's one of the five pieces to the PIF, and one of them specifically is sports and entertainment. And that branch is used for tourism to help change the viewpoint of the Saudis. Their thought is. They want to. They want the world to think of them as a post World War II Germany. They they want to tell the world yeah, they the don't really, are over. 
They wouldn't tell the world the atrocities are over, even though there was some recently. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that the atrocities it, aren't over. So it's going to be unusual to see how this works. I, I have a lot of questions. I went through this a lot earlier in the week. We didn't know what was going to happen with, you know, the, the, the PGA Tour commissioner is now the CEO. Um, the PIF governor is the chairman of the board. Um, this settles all pending litigation. So now no one, the players can't sue. Nobody can sue. And the biggest part to me on this, and you and I kind of mentioned this earlier, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. Jay Monahan's now the CEO of this company. In your view, did Jay Monahan sell out the players of the PGA? Absolutely. Absolutely, without question. And here's, here's, here's why this is such a, uh, another big deal as far as the rest of the year with regards to news. We don't have the details, so that's going to be trickling out over the rest of the year. The offseason, the end of the season after the FedEx Cup and transitioning into the new season is going to see some major shakeup as this unfolds. And yeah. you can expect player pushback in a big way. There may be some. There may be a handful of players. I don't expect them to all walk, but I expect that a lot of the players to approach the game in a new way. They're going to say, yeah. "This can never happen again. You can't okay. do this without us involved." The way, if I'm a player on the PGA Tour right now, not only am I offended, I'm disgusted, and I'm super pissed at Jay Monahan. I don't care what his messaging is. I would yeah. expect to see uh, the, the players band together in a way that has not been seen in individual sports like tennis and golf um, that will change the way they approach yeah. this process again. It won't. I, I, if that were me, if I were a player on the tour, I'd be looking to band together with the rest of the players and find a way to get him out. There's no reason he should benefit from this. It's not what they're doing. Okay, and I, and I want to be clear on this. There's a lot of people that expected this to be the eventual outcome in some way, shape, or form, whether it's now or three years from now, which I thought yeah. it would be take longer to get to this point. It's how he's doing it. Yeah. It's it's underhanded, it's it's slap in the face, it's disrespectful. And I would expect he has no friends on tour right now. Yeah. So my question you on your same thinking there. So let's talk about that with the players for a moment, with Jay Monahan. And, and I expected initially that he would not be around. It looks like they may be doubling down, which tells me that Jay Monahan was not out for the players. But was Jay Monahan looking at this and saying, well, you used the word inevitable. And I used that same word talking to Tyler Jones on, on Wednesday about this. And I said, was it inevitable that all these lawsuits were going to go the way of the live golf tournament, that the live people, because of the backing of the Saudis and because of antitrust rules, there was no way they were going to lose in court. If nothing else, they kept the PGA, in this case, from bleeding out, if you will. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think that was – I'm trying to figure out what he's thinking. And, and that's the only thing I can come up with is Jay Monahan is thinking, hey, look, we're going to lose. Any, any legal mind that looked at this at any length was saying, 
The live tour is going to win the corporate guy. Yes and no. I think that I think that a long drawn out legal battle in this, there are no winners. You yeah. can say that the Live might win. You could say the PGA might win. There was a, I think there was a European case in which Live actually lost. Yeah. There and that's that's a recent finding. So I think there's a little bit of it could it could have gone one way or the other, you know, in that battle. But it was going to be a long drawn out process legal yeah. battle, and that inevitably was going to be a loss for the sport as a whole. Yeah. It was never that was never going to be a winner. The division of it. But if you follow it to its logical conclusion, no matter what, either Live Golf would fold, but its financial backing indicates that's not going to happen. But at the same time, Live Golf did not make money. They were, nope. and, and this They're is the losing. interesting part. They haven't made money. And no. today, June, this is, so we're recording this Friday, June 9th. Today is the one-year anniversary of their first event. Yeah. So in the first year, not only did they not make money, they didn't last yeah. against the PGA as far as uh, uh, as far as that goes, in that now it's being folded in. So as Live by itself as a standalone tour, it didn't even make a year before this process started. And this process has been on for seven weeks. And now we so it was announced Tuesday before the one year anniversary of their first event. Yeah. Now we do know that there's been talk that the live tour is going to continue in some way, shape or form. We really don't know yet. What we do know, and yeah. you, you said it right, is that live was a loss leader in a way for the PIF. The PIF did never cared about making money in the live, live golf. It no. is not even no. the, 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 whatever millions or hundreds of millions or billion dollars they spend is a drop in the bucket. And it's the, it's the tour. It's more about the tourism. It's the sports washing. That's the term that's been come up with now about this. And I look at this and go, okay, the Saudis, PIF buying this for two billion dollars is a joke. They're laughing their ass off at buying this whole deal to get out of all the, the all the litigation and to get this thing done a year in. Live one, yeah. And there's a there's a part there that you, that does make sense here, where you're from the PGA side is even let, let's just say that the PGA had the upper hand in the legal battle. I don't know where that really stood. Yeah. But let's pretend that the PGA actually had the upper hand in this. It's going to cost them a significant yes. amount of money to continue yes. those battles to eventually win, probably, possibly. But there's no winning. After a long drawn out battle at the end of the day, it's just that's just I can say I won the legal battle, but it cost us how much to do it. Yes, that was the thing I think that Jay Monahan was thinking. I think he was looking at this going, well, even if we do win, what compensation are we going to get? Are they going to get billions of dollars or are they going to get what the USFL got from the NFL back in the 1980s? Which if you don't know what that is, do you know what they got? Three dollars. When the USFL yeah. sued the NFL, went into all the debt they went into, ended up shutting the whole damn thing down. When they went into court and finally won, they won. Th they were given three dollars. That was Liv's plan this whole time. That was the PIF's plan with Liv Golf. 
The PIF's plan oh, yeah. the entire way was to buy the whole sport. And that was their way in. Yeah. And, and, and if, if, to equate this for, as an idea for everybody else, um, you could think of a, of a company like a national company like Best Buy yeah. doing Amazon, doing, uh-huh. suing Amazon. It's not a question of whether they're right or wrong. It's that Amazon has financial backing. They can draw that out and basically defund Best Buy in the long run. That's essentially what PIF is doing. They don't have to win the battle. They're just going to draw it out and draw it out and continue going down because they have the fund to to do this far, far longer than an organization like the PGA. Did you see, talk about the players for a moment, did you see Rory McIlroy's press conference before the Canadian Open? Yeah, I I did. I did. And it's it's heartbreaking, honestly, to to see a a player like Rory who – to me, is one of the faces of golf that has been thrown under the bus by Jay Monahan. Yeah. Rory McIlroy is sort of the, I mean, he has been the guy sounding the bell for the PGA louder than anybody. He has been the get behind me. His quote was, I still hate live golf. And then this one, and I'm going to bring, and I want to ask you what your feeling on this is. This is an exact quote. There still has to be consequences to the actions. This is talking about get, bringing the players back from live to play uh-huh. in PGA Tour events. Now, he says that out of one side of his mouth. He then ultimately says, um, I look 10 years down the line, I think ultimately this is going to be good for this game of golf, professional golf. It unifies it, and and it secures its financial future. That was also a big deal because we know that Mm -hmm. the financial future of golf, PGA was starting to lose money. The PGA is a not-for-profit, but it still was not operating on the same level as other, um, you know, other things like the WTA or in tennis or obviously the NFL or the NBA or major league baseball or the NHL. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's crazy how this works with, with regards to Rory, the guy who's really been sounding the bell for the PGA. And, and I personally, he's the one who got shot in the back the hardest on this because he turned down hundreds of millions to go to live. He's got to be engaged by this. And at the same time, he says there still has to be consequences to the actions. Is that wishful thinking in his part now? Is there going to no, be? No. There, there's, there's what they're basically going to do, and this is where, you know, this is where how quickly you can start losing on this. And I think where this is going to, where we're going to find this out in, in a big way, and why the news on this is going to be all year long, is that. Yeah. We're, we're they're still in negotiations, and I, I think I, who was it? I think it was Jeff Ogilvie or somebody that uh, was on camera the day it was announced came out of the players' meeting um, that had basically indicated that as he read it, uh, that this was announced way sooner than they were ready to discuss it publicly. Yes, yes, uh, I heard that. you know, basically somebody found out about this and was going to leak it, so they got ahead of it, but they were yes. really not ready to discuss it with the players or the public. And so um, they don't have a lot of information right now. But I, 
And I'm glad it did happen because I think this needs a light shown on it, to be honest. The idea that this was happening behind the player's back would infuriate, infuriates me as a fan. It would infuriate me as a player on the tour um, and will have repercussions for a long time. Yeah. Um, when we talk about players coming back, what I see as this unfolds, especially at the end of the season after the FedEx Cup, is I think the players themselves are going to approach the sport, professionally speaking, a lot more like you'd see the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, and, and the NHL, where team sports naturally band together teammates to represent for, for the sport as a whole. That yeah. Individual sports like golf and tennis and such, they don't really have that naturally. I think you will see like a players association change in the offseason that says, this kind of crap has to end. Yeah. And we need player representation at the highest levels of this sport because you're talking about our livelihoods and you are not, we're not going to let you just kind of, uh, and, and I don't know how to put it any more deeply, you know, shit down our throats. Well, the commission, it's, it's, it's awful. Yeah. In, in golf, it's been the PGA. Um, the commissioner works on behalf of the players. Same thing with the WTA, the ATP, and tennis. Those are, um, you know, those, the commissioner represents players. We're in the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, in team sports. The commissioner represents the owners. Different animal here. Um, yep. Another question I have for you here on this, and then I want to kind of get us back to, because I want to get a little bit of football in too, but um, – what would you see or what would you like to see as the penalty to guys like Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, and Bryson DeChambeau? Assuming this, assuming that the PGA Tour continues as is, a couple of the things were that Liv was obviously paying more money. It was a lighter schedule. PGA did have a thing where you had to play a certain number of tournaments. What do you see these players having to do to get back into the PGA? Will it be penalties? Will it be suspensions? Will it be fines? What do you think? Uh, well, let me provide a little bit of context real quick for those who don't know. So, so with certain players you have seen from Live Golf, and I'm thinking of like most recently Brooks Kepka, DeShambo, Mickelson, these guys are showing up at PGA events not because they're PGA members, but because of pre-existing exemptions to those tournaments. Yes. That's a very big deal. And we start talking about things like the Masters and the Open and things like that, is that they were able to appear at those because of the exemptions they had won on tour when they were still PGA members. Yes. But they are not, none of those players are PGA members. They don't have a tour card anymore they've all been they were all kicked out when they made that move last year and that was one but of the, they had but yeah they had to honor the exemptions because that was the stipulations at the time they received them despite the circumstances having changed after the fact these are things that are also were at the time indicated would change in future exemption type situations 
if the if the separation was to continue, you would see players that if they left for live, the idea was that if they left for live, any exemptions to those events would not continue. They would be immediately ended when they left the PGA Tour. But that wasn't the case when this happened. This is all kind of net new. So in that regard, what I would say is, you know, I would love to see that they're not let back in personally. That's not going to happen. These guys are, you know, guys like Dustin Johnson, DeChambeau, Krepka, Mickelson. These guys are still high-level pros that still have a loyal fan base to bring to golf. They're not going to throw that away. What I would, ex- what I would hope to see at a minimum is uh, a, some kind of a suspension or ban because they have to reapply they do. to become part of the PGA. Yeah. And they'll have to do that to join the tour after this merger happens. Yeah. When that happens, I think they, they I think what is at minimum required is some kind of a, a lengthy ban or suspension before they could even reapply, commensurate with what they did. Because remember, most of these players, and I think the Shambo might be the only one who went through the proper procedures well ahead of time to allow himself out. Most of these guys just straight up and walked and went over to live and the PJ nixed their memberships. So yeah. for those guys, I think it would be even worse than a guy like DeChambeau. And, and then don't quote me on this. I'm not 100% yeah. on the road, but my understanding well, no was knows. that DeChambeau actually filed paperwork with the PGA to be let out okay. properly. He, like, he followed procedures trying to get out. I could be wrong on that. But for all the guys that basically were on a PGA tour the previous weekend and the next weekend they were on live and they didn't show up to the PGA events, they just walked. That to me has to have severe repercussions yeah. because that, that right there alone, whatever the monetary benefits they got from live is irrelevant to the PGA. This is an organization that says we are the premier tour. We lead the, the world in this. Yeah that you cannot just walk away from us and expect to, to walk back in no penalties. And that has to be done not only for the, the players that left, but it has to for the players that remained. That's a big talking point right now is the players who were loyal to PGA, despite the offers of money that they got from, the, from Liv or, or from the PIF, if you will, um, that stayed and said, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm staying with the PGA. That loyalty needs to be rec- respected and recognized in some in some fashion. Okay. And those that left and the disrespect that was done has to be accounted for. What that looks like, what that ends up looking like, I don't know. At a minimum, mm-hmm. I would think some kind of a serious ban. And the, the, the names that speak that jump to mind uh, from football, for example, that that kind of behavior would be indicative of something similar as as just a disrespect to the game. Guys like Deshaun Watson, guys like Antonio Brown. Okay. Okay. Where they didn't, it's not just what they did to the players, it's what they did to the sport. Okay. The sport has been harmed by these players having walked out on the PGA like that. Okay. Um, that's great. I, 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 I really, that's the best I've heard anyone explain this and where they see that going as far as the consequences, because I have not seen that um, in some time. I have not heard anybody come across and say this. I've heard people say, well, they'll probably pay a fine. You know, but what's to stop the PIF for coming in and paying the fine? You know, you know where's that fine going? <laughs> PIF's the one who owns the thing now. 
So I get if, it. If you want to punish, you want to punish a professional player. Yeah. Don't let them play. Yeah. Don't let them play. If I if I were the PG at a minimum, I would ban him from all majors for probably okay. two years, okay. and I might ban him from all events for a year in the PGA. Now, how that trends? Maybe they play on the live. They continue to play on live. But from a PGA perspective, at a minimum, I would not let them back in for quite some time. They have to pay a price. Yeah. And that would include the majors. Yeah, that would include Masters. That would be U.S. Open. That would be the, the FedEx Cup. They shouldn't, be, they shouldn't be allowed to compete for those things when they walked yeah. away from this voluntarily in a, in, a, in a moment of disrespect to the entire sport. That has to be, that has to be acknowledged. Okay. Um. The last thing I want to get on the Saudi deal on the PIF. A lot of folks don't know this. You know, obviously the PIF just went in and just bought, yeah, just bought golf. They just bought it. They own it now. Um, if you don't, see, Rich Eisen just had a. It's it's all over YouTube and social media. He just had a collapse of, like you can see his spirit leave his body when he's talking about the Saudis bought golf. Um, the yeah. term sports washing has become a a real thing in the last 12 months. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, the sports Washington, we've been hearing a lot about this. So we know that the Saudi same PIF fund, you know, started live. It's now bought the PGA um, and the DP world. This is the same company, the same group that tried to buy the Newcastle football club. Is it just a matter of time before this is also the same PIF that was rumored to buy the WWE before it merged with Endeavor and the UFC. Um, you know, are we going to see the PIF go into American sports? I mean, come in like in the team sports, like the NFL, Major League Baseball, or the NBA. One the rule I think people don't realize, I heard this this week. The NBA now allows, there's a, their, their uh, board of governors allows for a majority owner to be an investment trust. That opens the door for the PIF to come right in and buy a team. What are your thoughts on that? I have to, I, to answer that, honestly, I have to take, a strictly business perspective on this, and I have to say it's inevitable. Yeah. It's whenever you're talking about this kind of a situation, first and foremost, and we've said it about this, about the NFL, we said it about every professional sport, they are businesses first. And this is about business is about making money. And if I'm a team owner, and there are quite, there are a number out there who, whose only financial assets are tied to the teams they own or very limited to the, they're limited, they're, they're limited to the assets primarily to the team yes. they own. And an organization like the PIF can easily come in and outbid most people for fair market value of a team yeah. and say, well, if your team is worth five and your best offer is five, five, here's seven, here's $10 billion. Uh, and and no owner, no individual person is going to say it's going to take the more. I find it very difficult for people in that situation to take the moral high ground yeah. that the public wants them to take 
in the face of five extra billion dollars. That is not, again, we, when we talked about this, when we talk about players making that generational wealth, that's generational wealth for a lot of people. Yes. Not, not, and I'm not saying that's like for, like a lot of people would think $5 billion is a lot of people. No, that's generational wealth that is for like extended families of people yes. that secures their, their safety, their security, their livelihood, their position in life for generations. That's no small yeah. thing. And at the end of the day, the, the, the public is not giving me that generational wealth. The U.S. government is not giving me that generational wealth. But this organization, who many people don't want me to be involved with, they're going to give me that money, and I don't have to be a part of that anymore. Yeah. That was... And that's, that is not a small thing to say, nor an easy thing to turn down. Yeah. Well, uh... Unless you're Jeff Bezos. Yes. So I'll give you a couple of examples. We know that the last NFL team to sell was the Commanders, just sold for $6 billion. I went and looked at NFL teams and said, okay, who is in that, 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 that arm of the majority of their assets are the team? And I got four. And I see one other situation, but I see these four teams. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, which is owned by Gail Benson. Her husband, Tom Benson, was the owner of the Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans as well. And a mm -hmm. great majority of their wealth is built from him owning those two franchises, especially the Saints. He bought the Saints for $64 million. Now, he has other wealth, but some of that has been passed off into trust. And now Gail has received the majority of hers is the value of that franchise. The Cincinnati Bengals are one that we've talked a lot about their money issues. Yes, you know, that has been, uh, the team was bought by uh, Paul Brown. Um, that's the original owner. He was the son of the original owner. Uh, the Colts, Jim Ursay is the same way, son of the original owner. Um, mm -hmm. Again, a majority of their value in their estate is built on the value of this team. The, the LA Chargers are the same. They're the Spanos brothers. They inherited that from their father. Uh, they were kind of the last ones to inherit it and not have to sell a piece of the team to pay for inheritance taxes. The Rooney family owned the Steelers, where it was like the Rooney family, like 90% of their uh, value of, their, of, the, of the family was the Steelers. They had to sell a 30% stake in the Steelers, pay for the taxation of passing it down from Art Rooney to his current kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's to stop the PIF for coming in here? And let's take the Bengals as an example. Hey, Mike Brown's an old man. He's in his 80s. If he's going to pass this thing down and the Bengals have one of the biggest, they're one of now the most 10 most valuable teams in the league, according to Forbes, because they happen to have one of the most marketable players in the league in Joe Burrow. What's to stop the PIF for coming in and saying, okay, look, the commanders went for six. We'll give you 10. Yeah. 
You know, here's the other one that will blow everybody's mind. This is not the NFL. What about the Lakers? The most recognizable franchise in the sport is owned by the children of Dr. Jerry Buss, who we know, if you know anything about Jerry Buss, he mortgaged everything to buy the Lakers. And his wealth was built by the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And the Buss family doesn't own anything else. They own the Lakers. They own the Forum now as well, but that's it. They own the Forum and the Lakers. At some point, you know, you go from what you want to be a multi-billionaire, you want to be at that level in cash, you can sell the Lake. How much would the Lakers go for? And who else could buy it? What's their current value? Oh, let's look. Let me see. I don't know. I mean, they've <laughs> got to be the most valuable NBA property. I don't. Let me I got. I'm curious. I'm just googling that. So, so it's it's real. They're probably around. It's, it looks like they're around the third most expensive. So, like six point four billion. Six point four billion. So, what's to stop the PIF for coming in? Because again, the PIF is worth six hundred twenty billion. Their goal is to be worth a trillion by 2025 and this whole one fifth of what they do this is a fifth of the entire pif is not for they don't care about making profit in that fifth of this company the pif does not care it's not what that's about they're making so much money on the, the oil side and their other investments, which I'll get into if we need to. They own a shitload of stuff over here that we don't see pullback on. They're making so much money on that, they don't care about $10 billion. They just bought the PGA for nothing, basically, $2 billion. Mm-hmm. The commanders were three times that price. And that's just one team in the sport. Yes. Yes. If the Lakers are at $6.4 billion, according to Forbes, that's the value right now, 2023. If you, if they went in and doubled that amount, we'll give you 12. The bus family would be crazy to not say yes. And then, like you mentioned, and I think you said it great, it's not their responsibility to to. to to hold up this idea of we can't let this foreign country come in and buy these things. If the PGA Tour can do it, the Lakers can do it. And and I want to be clear on that. Do I think there are owners who would not sell? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And and you mentioned Jim Ursay, and he's one – who to me would probably want to be one of those guys that doesn't because well, he loves the sport. Yes, he wants I agree to with own that. the team. Yes. You know, it's but there are here's here I think there's something that we have to acknowledge here is that we were talking about buying an NFL team. It's not like they can buy half the NFL team. They can't buy 32 teams. No, they can't buy two buy. teams. You can't own more than one team. It doesn't work that way. Okay, so if you buy an NFL team, then you buy an NFL team. And one of those people is got a team that they don't 
actively manage. They just kind of hand off all of the day-to-day running of the organization to managers and VPs and, 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 and presidents of organizations as such as owners. Um, and there are some of those that have inherited or have been passed down, as you talk about the chargers, uh, that want to keep it because of their legacy. They, they love the sport or for whatever reason they have. But all you need is one person who's, who's ready to leave this chapter behind them and move on. Because being an owner is a job that they have to approve funds, they have to approve uh, employments, they're managing the teams, and maybe they're at a point in their life they don't want to do that anymore. Or you end up in a situation where you're being forced to sell if you're the commandos. Uh, And all you need to do, you only have to get in there in one team. Now, the hurdles for that, as we're looking at the PGA and we're talking about the DOJ, yeah, those are things that you're going to have to clear. But all you have to do is clear it once. And then you have the template for which you do it again and again. So here's where it's an interesting concept for the PIF as a foreign entity that could buy the Lakers, could buy the Saints. It could buy a major team in each sport in different cities. Uh-huh. Because they don't live in any of those cities. Don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And there's so the interesting thing here to consider is which sport would they break into first, and where does that happen? Are there and I, and I pose the follow up question because I can't think of any off the top of my head, but you're definitely going to know this better than I did. Are yeah. there any owners who own teams in separate cities, separate states? Yes, there, there are. Um, you know, for instance, um, in Denver, you've got the Nuggets. It's owned by Stan Kroenke, who also owns the Rams. Um, okay. they, and, yeah, yeah. and for instance, the uh, the Red Sox are owned by Fenway Roush, which is also owns a portion of Manchester United and owns um, also a big uh, ownership in NASCAR as well, uh, Roush Racing. Um, but there's things like that. The, <coughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Kahn family, they also own uh, Pelham over in the in in uh, the uk so there's there are some examples of that already uh but you bring up the point of the one of the issues is going to be these values on teams are going to get so high that eventually they they're going to be profitable but are they they're going to be the problem is you got to put up six seven eight billion dollars there's not many people who have that. Yeah, it's, Jeff Bezos didn't want to. Is the richest man, second richest man in the world. He didn't want to buy the Commanders. I think he's the third richest man in the world now. But anyway, you know, Elon Musk yeah. is not buying these franchises. PIF can't. It's a drop in the bucket. They're going to have a trillion dollars in a couple of years. Well, that, there's there's some motivation there. The PIF has an image problem. Yes. The PIF has a reputation problem here. So getting into American sports is a way to provide visibility in a way that in a more positive light, as opposed to their current or their their traditional negative reporting in the United States. Now, I'm not saying that that's warranted or unwarranted. That's that is for everyone to determine 
on their own. I'm, that, that's not, that's a, yeah. That becomes a moral and political discussion which we're really not talking about here. What, I'm, what we have to discuss here, and I think my point on that is um, their entry into this is, has a purpose, whereas a Jeff Bezos and an Elon Musk, they don't gain anything by owning teams except for as a commodity. To them, it's a feather in their cap. It's, an art, it's a piece of art on the wall. They don't want to manage teams. They don't want to get yeah. into these sports. They're not interested. So they right. gain nothing. And, you, and the other thing I will mention, you brought up NASCAR. That's another sport where they could oh, be man. bringing te- a team oh, or man. two teams to the table yeah. to compete. And it's not about winning, although they'd like to win, of course. They want that publicity. They want that sure. positive energy for their brand. But being involved in supporting those sports gives them positive light in a country that sees them in a very negative light on the overall. And you can talk about 9-11. You can talk about racism. At the end of the day, that doesn't matter. That's how we see. And they want to change the narrative on that. That's right. And then that's that's what they're doing. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And I I suspect the next thing they do is is go for tennis. Again, yeah, I, tennis, I would agree. I think the ATP and the WTA, they're they're in play. I think that's the the next logical step for the for the PIF is to go for tennis. They've already bought golf. Why wouldn't you go buy tennis? Um, tennis and golf have the same kind of disparity of players because their top players come from global. Yeah, they don't come from a, a pool of of one country primarily yeah. because yes, with golf. And with tennis, you're seeing from Asia, you're seeing from Europe, you're seeing from Africa, you're seeing South America, North America. You have representation of your top players from all continents. Yeah, there won't be yeah, there won't be as much pullback in those because of those countries. I agree. I I I think they're very individualized. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Whether it's tennis next or or whatever, again, they're coming to sports in America. Whether it's going to be, you brought up NASCAR. Absolutely, they're going to go there next. That's going to be one they're going to consider. There's going to be a team. There's going to be a franchise they're going to buy at some point. And I do think yeah. if we look five years from now, in 2028, in June of 2028, I'll bet the PIF owns a, a Premier League soccer team, an NFL team, an NBA team, and a Major League Baseball team. I bet they do. I would agree. I would. Agree. And and it'll blow. And think of it this way: like in sports, like baseball, and the NBA is now changing how they're doing the salary cap. They got this new weird thing going, starting with 2023-24 season, uh, which I haven't even studied yet. Uh, just what I heard is the the if you want to spend money, you can. But think about it: a team. If you buy a major league baseball team, you're the PIF. Okay, go buy the Yankees. Go buy the Yankees they and could. spend all the money you want on players. Would that be any different than buying the Lakers? I mean, we're talking about no. premier teams and their sports. No. And you think about it, if they bought the Yankees, oh my God. Because not how only there'll be some uprising in the There'll be an uprising in the streets look. I wouldn't want to be on Long Island when that shit happens. <laughs> I would be curious to see what the response in the streets would. How many jerseys would be burning 
in yeah. the streets the day that was announced. But here's my question. Then the flip side of that is, how many of those fans would be excited? Because they ain't won. The, the dirty secret is, the Yankees ain't won since 2009. They ain't won a World Series since. Boy, how many of them people would be happy that the Saudis come along by that team and say, we spending money, boys and girls. And I mean, well, and there's always going to be, you know, there's never a hundred percent on that. There's always going to be a group that says, I don't care how they do it. I just want our team to win. There's always going to be that part of the fan base, but that's not going to be the majority of the vocalization around that. It's going to be, and that's what what we're talking about here. This is going to be a very tricky situation. It's going to be, um, I don't want to say territorial, but it's going to be, it's going to tear people things apart, sort of like how we are politically right now, you know, where we're one side or the other and you are either team this or team that, you know, they're going to bunker down. And I think that's where we're at. I think we might see some bunkering here. If something like that happens, Hey, I'm going to cut us off there. I know that we were talking about wanting to get a little bit of football. We'll do football next time. We'll get you in here next week or the week after and do football. No I really wanted to get with you. I know that you're a huge, passionate golf fan. And I was like, I got to get Uncle Rico here to talk about this. I knew we would have a good time. So, Uncle Rico, thanks so much for coming in. And I appreciate you. And uh, hopefully, well, hoping to see you next week, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> for those listening, basically, I had an opportunity to go with Ellen to game seven of the NBA finals that would get me a trip to go to Denver. It's like see Uncle Rico as well. I don't think the finals are going to go to seven games, but we'll see. Uh, we'll know a little more after this thing records. So, Hey, we'll see. We'll, after we'll tonight, see. Yeah. Hey, hey, brother. Thanks again. I appreciate you. You have a great day and uh, I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Yep. Sounds great. Always a pleasure. Hey, I want to thank uh, Ellen for coming in today. Also Uncle Rico for joining us on the program. Uh, lots of fun. Hope everybody's had a good time enjoying it. Uh, a little outro here. I want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox, for all you do behind the scenes. If you haven't catched episode 88, jump back in there. Tyler comes on. We talk a lot about that live golf stuff. If you want to get his impressions on what we've seen so far. And then, obviously, you got the Uncle Rico and I talking about it today at length. And uh, we'll be back on uh, probably Wednesday or Thursday this next coming week. Uh, hopefully talking about the end of the NBA Finals, maybe a little bit of college baseball with the College World Series coming, and some other things. So uh, check us out. Don't forget our special our, our sponsors here on the podcast, the DraftKings. Don't forget you get $150 in bets uh, when you first bet on DraftKings when you use our link. Right now, if you use if you do the, NBA, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, a $5 bet will get you $200 in free bets. Those bets are good for for, uh, seven days. Check them out. We appreciate DraftKings and all they do. And then Uncle Rico's program is brought to us here uh, with Stitch Fix. Like I said earlier, it's a great time to get your Stitch Fix on. Get some new gear for the the summertime. Check it out. Again, the show notes, you're going to save $25 on your first box. We appreciate Stitch Fix as well. Hey, I want to thank uh, thank Studio Studio Soapbox, what they do behind the scenes. Most importantly, thank you to you, the list. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, we appreciate every five-star review. So until later this week, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care, everybody.